0: In this episode of Two-Eyed Seeing, we're going to talk about an emotional topic that most of us do not want to talk about, but we really do need to if we want to move forward in a more positive direction for all of us. So stay tuned. Hello, Sago, and welcome. You're listening to Two-Eyed Seeing, bridging the Western and Indigenous understanding of health, healing, and life. I'm your host. Dr. Sarah Connors, naturopathic doctor and birth doula and knowledge seeker of Mohawk and European ancestry. Each week, I will be bringing you information about health and wellness from both perspectives so we can learn and grow together as we journey through life on this place we call Earth and Turtle Island. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Two-Eyed Seeing. And as I mentioned in the intro, this is going to be a little bit of a tougher topic for most of us because it's just easier to not talk about it. That's the easy way out. And what I'm talking about is shame and feelings of shame. And what we're going to get into is why it's actually better for us in the long run if we're willing to face up to shame and look at shame and deal with it as opposed to running away from it because it's the running away from it that actually makes it stronger, that actually makes it stay for longer. So when we're actually willing to sit with an emotion and actually feel it fully for the length of time that it takes, and we tend to think it's going to stick around forever. We think any negative feeling, any negative emotion is going to last forever. And so it's easier, our perspective in the moment is that it's easier to run away from almost any negative emotion. We don't want to sit in what doesn't feel good because we've become such a society of easy, instant, fast, whatever other you know words you want to put on it. But we don't like discomfort. We like to move away from discomfort very, very quickly, as quickly as we humanly can. And the really sad part about that, as much as we don't want to be unhappy and uncomfortable all the time but it's sitting in the discomfort it's sitting with that and feeling it it actually allows us to move through it faster than if we ignore it if we put it away in the corner and we shove it down and we just pretend that it isn't there and it's the same thing with shame shame is the same in this respect and why is it that i'm choosing to talk about shame well If you've been following the podcast for a little while now, you would have heard me mention in the residential school episode and another episode actually on the podcast that I struggle with feelings of guilt and shame because I have a dual ancestry of settler ancestry as well as indigenous ancestry. And there have been times in my life where I've had a really hard time taking in what it is that has happened to our indigenous communities and our indigenous peoples in Canada and other places. But obviously I know Canada best because that's where I live and that's where I've grown up and that's where my family is from. Our, our lineage traces back to uh, the Kahnawake region, which is across from, from Quebec, from Montreal and Quebec. And so that's where, where we come from. Yes, technically we used to travel back and forth between what's considered modern day New York and, and modern day uh, Quebec and, and the lower part of Quebec. But where, where our, our family's reserve is, is based is Kahnawake and that's where we trace our lineage back to. But what I've sometimes struggled with is the fact that I have both. So my settler ancestors were part of the people that were actually putting together the residential school programs that were actually rounding up the kids and putting them in the schools. And they were the ones that were the policymakers and contributed to the policymakers that would have enacted the Indian Act and various other policies that herded up our indigenous communities onto these small tracts of land that we now know as reserves. All of these things were part of that side of my my history. And it's not to say that I idolize my Indigenous ancestry. No human being is perfect, but obviously there's a big power difference and and a historical difference between how Indigenous were treated and have been treated even still to today in Canada versus those who are non-Indigenous. There's still a fairly big noticeable gap between those two so knowing that the ones who still technically have a bigger chunk of the power and a bigger chunk of the say is the non-indigenous then obviously where my heart tends to be drawn is asking myself you know how do i how do i reconcile those two and so i mentioned in that episode about struggling with that and a friend of mine who listens to the podcast regularly Thought that it was a really great episode but she also isn't shy about sharing what she exactly thinks with me and that's why we've been friends for a very long time is she said my one issue with that episode is that you said that you were ashamed and I don't want to teach my daughter this is my friend uh, who has a young daughter she's like I don't want to teach her to be ashamed of her heritage I don't want her to feel that way I want her to understand the history and to feel like she can stand up and speak against it. And so when she said that, that really made me think, well, what what is that feeling? Why do I carry that around with me? Why do I carry that bag of, of guilt and, and shame around something that I didn't do? I wasn't part and parcel of rounding up indigenous, of putting people in the indigenous, um, reserves and the residential schools, that wasn't something that I did. So why am I still carrying that? So I got very curious about where does shame come from? Why do I still feel that feeling when I wasn't directly responsible for these things happening? So I started to do a bit of a deep dive. And one of the areas that I went to, and I've Consumed a lot of her work now is a researcher by the name of Brene Brown If you are not familiar with her or her work, I highly recommend it, especially if you're curious about understanding shame, guilt, and what the opposite of those and in her research and in her words, she looks at it as wholehearted people and so she talks a lot and this is where she had her uh, TED talk that went viral Uh, several years ago and really launched her into kind of the public eye in terms of writing her books and becoming very well known around the world and she now lectures and has a podcast, several books Uh, she's a very highly sought after speaker in this area in terms of uh, looking at shame and fear and vulnerability all these what we would typically think of as tough emotions is where she spends her time researching and and doing her work and really trying to understand these things and to put definitions to things that we typically don't wanna look at and don't want to actually put any sort of quantitative, qualitative labels on. And so something that I really appreciate about her work is this is where she started, was researching shame and fear. And one of the things that she says about shame is shame is strongest when we're not willing to look at it. That's where shame has its power, is when we're not actually willing to pull back the curtain and investigate it further. It likes the fact, it, it thrives in the fact that you're not willing to actually talk about shame and to pr- process it and move through it. So what actually is more helpful is when we're willing to look at shame and investigate shame and unpack these feelings of shame because then we can actually move through to the other side where shame no longer has this huge uh, hold on us and this huge power on how we make decisions for ourselves and how we live our lives. And a really good example that she uses in one of her talks And she talks about the example of how most of us have had at least one, if not several, significant shaming events happen to us in elementary school. And typically, not always, but typically what it was, was around a creative or artistic endeavor. And what we ended up taking from that particular interaction with a teacher or another adult that we looked up to is that we internalized that and started telling ourselves a story of, I'm no good at this. And therefore many of us moved away from expressing ourselves creatively. Because one of the things she talks about is that we have a real lack of creativity and innovation right now. And a lot of companies are wanting to hire her and hire other uh, individuals to come in and speak to their large companies about creativity and developing creativity and innovation, because that's where new ideas and new products come from. But what she talks about is that the birthplace of creativity is actually dealing with these more negative emotions in back of them. You have to be willing to talk about shame, and you have to be willing to be talk able to talk about failure and fear. She said, if you're not willing to... Talk about those things, because that's where creativity also comes from. You have to be able to express those and be willing to take a chance to make a mistake, to actually fail and feel the fear and shame of that without feeling like it's going to blow up in your face. And so I found that really, really interesting. And how I feel that that really ties into what we're talking about here today is our mental emotional health individually as well as a collective in relation to what's going on in terms of actually now having conversations about the residential school programs the Indian Act and all these other policies in terms of the health and well-being of our indigenous communities but part of the extension on that is that it's the shame of what happened that is also to a certain degree preventing us from having the hard conversations about how we can move forward in a positive manner that recognizes the past but also allows for the room for forgiveness to enter into the conversation and how we can move forward in a healthy way both For our indigenous communities and for our non-indigenous citizens as well. It all actually comes together and it also speaks to each of us personally because I mentioned about the impact of shame for us as an individual and then there's also the extension that that has an impact for us when and if we choose to have a family because what ends up happening is those experiences that we had as children, we want to protect our children from experiencing those. And so we may not, and and we're most of the time not even consciously aware of this, but we will do things or not do things to protect our children from experiencing the same shame. So then by either direct or indirect action, we're actually not allowing them to learn and explore on their own because we're too preoccupied with protecting them from experiencing shame. And as much as we don't want to be in a situation where we're always experiencing shame, we also need to allow for the possibility for it to happen because it's just part of life. But then also teaching them which we can only teach them if we've had the opportunity to learn it ourselves, to increase our own emotional intelligence. So it becomes a transgenerational issue as well as a personal health issue. It becomes a family health issue by extension. So that is what I find so interesting about this and why I felt it was important to talk about it. And I get that for some of you that's... It's gonna seem like I'm going off on a slightly different track and how does this relate to health anyway? That's how it relates. That's how it makes an impact because it's going to directly impact your own mental emotional health and by extension can end up impacting the mental emotional health of your children and further down the line. That's the part that most of us aren't aware of and we're not having enough conversations about the potential for transgenerational issues slash transgenerational trauma because most of us don't think further ahead than our immediate area our immediate health and issues whereas in many of our indigenous cultures and i love this teaching and that's why i mention it so often is most of our indigenous communities when we're making decisions We're thinking about the seven generations that came before us and the seven generations that are coming after us. So if we're talking about that aspect of things, how can we choose to make a decision or change something today that's going to have an impact on the next seven generations that will follow us, right? So that's why this is so important. And also I feel It has an impact on our conversations, as I said before, that we're having and not having in regards to how we can best address the issues of assisting our indigenous communities to move forward in a healthy way that also allows our non-indigenous communities to move forward in a healthy way and how we can move forward together. Because currently, we're now, we haven't even investigated all of the residential school sites. We're already over 5,000 children found. And I don't really even want to think about how many more we're going to find. That is hard. That is really hard to look at. And to, I, well, I can't imagine how someone could not feel the feeling of shame around that in terms of those who would have been involved in those various programs and those various um, policies that allowed these things to transpire. But one really amazing healing thing that I've heard from a number of elders in our indigenous communities when they hear, and I've heard this too, from non-indigenous settler individuals who recognize that settler past and want to do something actively about it the elders are saying much like i said earlier you were not here you were not personally involved or responsible for the policies and actions that made the residential schools indian act reserves etc happen or or made them possible that was not you personally So instead of feeling feelings of shame and guilt, why don't we instead move forward in a way that we start to dismantle the policies and things like the Indian Act that have been around for a very long time now. It was since the late 1800s that the Indian Act was enacted. And it really hasn't changed all that much since then these things are still in place these policies are still in place and therefore those of us who live now today still have either indirect or direct benefits from those policies from how those things are enacted so instead of feeling and being stuck in feelings of shame and guilt about what has happened and we cannot go back into the past and undo that. How can we start to disassemble these policies that are not helping our indigenous communities to move forward? It's not helping to bring a sense of equality to all people that live in Canada and really start to look at how can we start to change that and then by extension those who are non-indigenous, that's where you can really step up and encourage your government officials our wider governments um, such as the federal government and the provincial governments to step up and start to make those policy changes. Those are the things that we can actively do now today to start to move away from feeling stuck in feelings of shame and, and guilt and really start to make a difference that is going to have an impact on the next seven generations of people, of Canadians to come. Yes, obviously there's a big issue with what's going on in terms of other parts of the world, I just don't feel like I can speak to those because I'm Canadian so therefore I know what happened slash has happened in Canada best but I also know that things are not great for indigenous in other areas of the world as well in the states in Australia um, in southern uh, South America there are everyone's been impacted in some way or another but like I said I feel more comfortable speaking to Canadian issues but that doesn't mean that we can't wherever we are take responsibility and start to decide how we can move forward differently and do things differently i think i will wrap it up there in terms of what we've been talking about today i do hope that this does make an impact for you and that you're able to take some of these ideas and work with them and think about them and think about how we can potentially both come together as a collective to improve the collective health of our society, and also how you can potentially apply this to yourself and to your own family, because as I said before, dealing with negative emotions such as shame in a healthy way impacts all of us, whether we're talking about us as individuals or us as a collective. And the more that we're willing to actually look at this and other negative emotions and actually sit with them and process through them properly, that's when we can actually step forward as emotionally intelligent human beings that are able to care for ourselves and care for each other in a way that actually creates a world that is so much healthier and so much better for all of us as a whole. So, I hope that is helpful to you in some way, shape, or form, and we will see you next time on Two-Eyed Seeing. Bama Pee. Thank you, Nyawa, for listening to Two-Eyed Seeing. Leave me a comment, and if you feel called to, please leave a review in iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. If you have questions about the episode or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please reach out to me at www.sarahconnorsnd.com.